I'm Chilanga. I'm Dylan. And this is the CND NBA podcast. What's up, Dylan? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing so good. What a great win last night. Feeling so good. We don't need D'Lo. We don't need Towns. We just trade them both. Saunders. That's all we need, baby. Trade them both. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is my hero. I've, I've been on him since before the season started, and I'm taking one a little. Seven. <laughs> he was I'm taking a victory seven. lap right now. A one for seven victory lap. <laughs> block party. Take a run or to victory lap around the block party. I will say my my all my all my draft guys are looking pretty good right now. Tyrese Halliburton is balling out. Jaden McDaniels looks promising. Isaac Okoro, his numbers aren't impressive, but the dude can ball. Is he still starting? I don't think he's starting anymore, is he? He's actually playing right now. Let me look if he started. They're playing the Celtics and they are uh down by 20 and he did start. Yes. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> The clock struck midnight on Cinderella. Yeah, I guess so. Dylan, are you ready for some real stupid news? I'm so ready. All right, this week in the NBA, tonight, this is Sunday night, the Washington Wizards will play an NBA game. Can you believe it? Do you want to know what the dumbest part about this is? We're talking about this before the game starts, so (laughs) we don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, uh, tomorrow, if you're listening to this and they did not play, our apologies, but uh, as it stands, they are ready to play in and tip off is in like 10 minutes so the three and uh, eight, baby three and eight their, washington their wizards their quest for 50 wins this season on the line <laughs> russell westbrook is back in the lineup though so uh i don't think they won a game with russell westbrook in the lineup so that's oh not actually God. good <laughs> that's not good for them uh in another piece of news shaquille o'neal uh called out Donovan Mitchell on TNT this week saying he always had questions about his game and didn't know if, what was the exact quote? He said he didn't know if he had that next level. If he didn't, yeah, he didn't know if he had it in him. Yeah. Something like that. Way to, way to not get the quote, Chalinga, by the way, really great research here. Hey, look, 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 look. I had it in my brain and I had a whiskey diet. And now I'm just, no one would expect anything more. I'm free balling here. Okay. I'm free balling. <laughs> uh so uh dylan what are your thoughts about about this whole shaquille o'neal donovan mitchell so i'm i am so over Shaq right now i i used to love Shaq on on nba on tnt i really really did i loved all the antics but for the past two years he's gone way downhill because they've tried to make him actually talk about basketball. You know what it all started with? It all started with players only. Do you remember players only last year where they tried to do like inside or whatever, but it was like with Chris Weber and whoever they could get basically. And then Shaq to like anchor everything. And I was just like, Ooh, Shaq cannot lead a hosting or any type of analytic basketball talk. And so, okay. yes, is like, do I fucking care what he says to Donovan Mitchell? Absolutely not. He hasn't watched basketball in, since he's been in the league. But just like he was just like he was had so much potential when he was a basketball player, he could have been maybe the greatest basketball player of all time if he put his mind to it. He could have been the greatest studio just clown in the history of whatever the, the studio shows are. Just just by doing fun shit. But instead, you decide to clown on a guy who's like, you're punching down on a player who's super young. And it's like, to me, it wasn't interesting at all. Like, 
he doesn't even think about the questions. They don't think about the questions that they're going to say to the players at all. They don't think Yo, about it before they I, say them. Do a good interview. I, I disagree with you real heavy here. I thought it was very entertaining. I love the drama of it to 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 say that to a player's face. And like Donovan Mitchell, like he's been facing hate his whole career, his whole basketball life. Exactly. And so he why you don't that's why you don't punch down. Who cares as Donovan Mitchell? No, Stop man. Going after he's a Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Who cares? Oh, dude, he's balling out. Plus, they play in Utah, so they have an automatic uh all all NBA old heads hate Utah because they would go play in Utah and they would just be called the N word nonstop. So you know they, they they've got some beef there. Uh, but I'm I'm I like I support Shaq and I don't think Donovan Mitchell was hurt by it. I think he. Was I support confused. Shaq too. I just think he's lazy. He's asking lazy <laughs> questions. I support I Shaq. They're just putting him in a in the wrong position to actually analyze the game. They're like, Shaq, we want you to analyze what just but, happened in the game. He's like, Dylan, hey, we, Donovan Mitchell, I don't think it? you still got it. Are we talking about it? Are we arguing about it? Yes, yeah, we are. So mission why is you brought it up. You were the one who started this real stupid news, and this is the dumbest thing you brought up. Honestly, Shaq, <laughs> be, Shaq needs to just make some Adam Sandler movies. That's what he needs but to do. It's not just me that's talking about it. It's not just you that's talking about it. It's the fucking whole internet no, is I talking that about, the whole it. Internet internet about, about it. That's the only reason so why we have to talk about it. I don't job, think he did his job well, Dylan. And no, you got to respect not. that. Yes, he did. He got everybody talking about inside on TNT. Thank no, you very much. Just, no, he, they're just put, <laughs> making him be a douchebag. They don't need to make him be a douchebag. They don't need to make Shaq be a douchebag. The final piece of real stupid news is actually really great news. Uh, the Atlanta Dream are nearing being sold from Kelly Loeffler, former Atlanta senator, current former uh, Georgia senator. <laughs> current former. And, <laughs> and uh, I think that is a good thing for the WNBA. I like no doubt, right? Sure. Chalinga, all of these are either like not newsworthy or uh or or just not stupid. Like this is good, yes, but it's also is it newsworthy that she's closer to selling the dream? Well, is it I newsworthy finally, when Taylor's Alex, trying Alex Len was waived by the Toronto Raptors and okay, signed there by go. the Washington There Wizards. we go. There's some stupid news. It's like the Washington Wizards game hasn't happened. You're like, they're going to play a game. And then after we release this, the Washington Wizards game is going to have happened. Like, that's, what are we doing? Uh, let's move on to our guest today. We've got a very special guest. Uh, and I'm excited to welcome him onto the pod. The esteemed Timberwolves Twitter personality at Threesley Timberwolves Talk. We have Dan Vitera. Welcome to the pod, Dan. Good to be here, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, we are very happy to have you. So how long of a tell us a little bit about your like Timberwolves fandom, how you got into, you know, really breaking down film and and uh, your relationship with with basketball? Yeah, um, I was pretty young during the KG days, but that's kind of when I started, you know, like a lot of people. Um, I really fell in love with it when Ricky first came over and and there was, you know, Kevin Love and, and Nikola Pekovic. Uh, that, that, that team was really the, the I think it's 11-12 team is really the one that got me like, you know, really invested in the Timberwolves. Um, White dream. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ridnauer and Berea and all the gang. Um, and then I, over the last year or so, have just decided I'd like to, you know, get more into it and start to read more about it and learn more about it and, and put out my own, own version of, of analysis like that however you know amateur it might be just trying to to put my two cents in a little bit you know 
Hey, if there's one thing that Dylan and I know about, it's being amateur. So, <laughs> no, we, we love are. your videos. We love we love your takes. We love your videos. We love all of it. In fact, we we brought you on the podcast to discuss one of our favorite takes that you've had in the past couple of weeks, which is the trade for Ben Simmons that you posted to Twitter a couple of days ago. Oh yeah, maybe maybe it was a week or two ago. But we thought that this was like actually super. Usually, Timberwolves fans will overrate Timberwolves players like mm-hmm. Ricky Rubio or Jordan McLaughlin, for example. <laughs> but it seems like you actually gave and got pretty equal amount of like talent. The one issue that we had was we didn't know if the Wizards would want Ricky Rubio on a team that had Russell Westbrook already. That's so, a good point. We edited your trade a little bit for you, and we want to know what you think about it. Chalanga, do you want to discuss the first one? Yeah, sure. I, I'll break down this first one. So Dylan did all this crazy trade magic in the trade machine. <laughs> <see>. Yes. <laughs> we turned it into a four-teamer where Ricky Rubio gets funneled to the Orlando Magic with Markel Hurt. I think they don't want to sacrifice this season, and you know Ricky could be a good uh, substitute in, in, in that area. Um, the Timberwolves end up with Ben Simmons, Isaiah Joe, Raul Neto, and James Ennis. The Sixers get Brad Beal, and the Wizards get Culver, Edwards, Chuma Okeke, Alfarik Aminu, and a series of picks from the Timberwolves. Um, four picks in total. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I think the Orlando thing makes a lot of sense. I think that they've been like, you know, they've been looking for a point guard uh, for a while, and Markel kind of seems like he's was going to be that guy, and then now they have that same void again. And even when Markel comes back next year, I think there's a version of that where you could put a little bit of him at the two. And that's not a lot of shooting, but but even so, they're both really smart players and eight minutes a game. And the rest of the time, you've got Ricky off the bench or maybe you make another move there. I know that Orlando loves uh, Kiki. I know that I've seen that uh, on the internet before. That like their guy, He's one of their guys that they really invested in. So maybe that one's a tough selling point, even though Washington would you know want, want a piece, obviously. But I, I think that that, the construct there makes a lot of sense of Ricky, Ricky to Orlando. Yeah, I wasn't really sure, like, Chalanka was telling me that, but I wasn't sure that the Magic would want another power forward who's always injured. Uh, <laughs> exactly. They, like they, they have, have stockpiled there. <laughs> <laughs> That's their favorite type of player, Dylan. So I, I guess in that respect, it makes sense. So uh, we, we played with that a little bit, uh, but Dylan tinkered with it even more. And, yeah, and reduce it down told to three me teams. <laughs> told me that that wasn't possible because they like Chumo Kiki too much. But Ed, should I just go for the next one? Yeah, please break it down. The Timberwolves get Ben Simmons, Terrence Ferguson from the 76ers, and Thomas Bryant from the Washington Wizards. The 76ers get Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And the Wizards get <laughs> Tobias Harris, D'Angelo Russell, Jarrett Culver, Anthony Edwards, three first round picks. And a 2026 round one swap with the Wolves. Uh, this one I love. This one is crazy. <laughs> and I think that the 76ers to get out of Tobias Harris has to be like a big Daryl Morey didn't sign him. And, and I feel like that's going to be a thing that we see over the next little while. From a doing the trade standpoint, I, I like it. From a Carl Anthony Towns's, you know, relationship standpoint, you never know. With like, I, it, I don't know how his friendships are with D'Angelo Russell versus Ben Simmons and how like I, I just don't have enough insight into how he's like views those relationships. Cause I know that he's, he's big into the, to, to the friendship angle of, of, of building a team. So I like it in theory, but I'm not sure about how that the D'Angelo Russell element of all this plays in because, you know, Carl just has, he, he's a, he's a, a guy who's on the edge already. And so anything you're doing at this point, you really got to be considering 
how he's going to feel about it. I know this, this would be part one. If the Timberwolves for the Timberwolves fans who are ready to trade cat in the next two years, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that Ben Simmons is a clear on court, better match with towns, much less is he's actually a good basketball player. Fantastic basketball player. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I think that they're basically the Wolves should be doing anything they can to get their hands on Ben Simmons, even if it means building around Ben Simmons and giving up Cat. I I think Ben Simmons is right now a more intriguing prospect for me. I think that's a fair point, especially with how the center position and, and how that how important defense is at the center position. We saw Towns play good defense earlier this year, but. That's been so inconsistent, and and I've, I've said it that there's been you know those ten game stretches where he plays so well, and I want to say, oh, Carl's turned the corner as a defender, and then the la- last season happens again, and it's like, <laughs> oh my god, like are we really watching this over again? So I a year ago was was feeling the same kind of like, is it time to hop off the bandwagon and just start this over? And I think that there is a, a real argument for that. At the same t- point, I don't think Gerson Rosas feels like that thinks that way about how this is going right now. And that could be like a, a questionable thing about Gerson Rosas is that like, it's like, he's very committed to this, this vision, but at the same point, like it's kind of hard to, to, to think about it when, you know, like he's, he's thinking about it differently than I am, you know? That's the whole thing with rebuilds is that generally teams are, are they, they don't strike for the rebuild at the time when they could get maximum value mm-hmm. because it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard and, it's scary when it's your job to, to make that big of a decision, especially when we're talking about Carl Anthony Towns, who is a generational offensive talent. You know, it's hard to say, like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so it's hard. What were you going to say, Dylan? It does seem like Gerson is so invested in in making the moves that are emotional to the fans and to the team and making the Timberwolves feel like a family. But at the same time, the way that he seems to me when he's in interviews is so like business, business, business. There are like two minds of Gerson Rosas. And I'm wondering how much of him is doing this family thing because he's playing chess with the fans to try to get him on his side so that when he does need to make the move, maybe the fans will trust him. The front office will trust him or the rest, the like Ethan Casson and the rest of the Timberwolves uh, like management will trust him to make the move when he needs to make the move. I'm just, I'm wondering if all of this family first type of rhetoric is real or if it is a little bit manipulated by, uh, by him just trying to get us onto his side. Yeah. I think that stuff is all BS a little bit. Just deep. <laughs> like I, I, I just think that like he, he says it because it sounds good and it, it's like, it, it, it's an easy way to yeah. like kind of dance around in an interview to be like, Oh, like if we're, well, we're focused on like families and, and, and I think it's cool. To, like you're having the kids, like the players, kids in the, in the practice facility and stuff like that. I think that's cool. But at the same point, like he traded whatever everyone, but Josh Okoge and Carl Anthony Towns since he started. So I think it's just tough to like say family. And then, you know, that if someone was offering him two first round picks for Malik Beasley and a young player from Malik Beasley, like he's going to say like, it, it just be like, he, no matter what, he's still going to be trying to make moves. Cause that's just how he is. So like, I think, it's it's kind of hard. He's he's in a weird spot where he wants to be aggressive, but he's also kind of dug himself in this hole of like this is the kind of culture we want to build. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So well, back I, to Ben Simmons trade or did Chunga, Did you want to say something first? Oh, I was just gonna move us forward because I feel like you know the the rest is just 
tinkering with the trade and, and yeah, we, we've started talking about the team. So, yeah, I, I just, I kept tinkering with it. So I thought that maybe the wizards wouldn't want to give up Thomas Bryant. So I threw Robin Lopez into the trade. Uh, the wolves need some type of center back backup center. That's not Ed, Ed Davis, obviously, or like a third center. That's not Ed Davis. And so Robin Lopez would be fine. Thomas Bryant actually is like super young, 23 years old and has a lot of game ahead of him. So maybe the wizards still want to keep him. And, uh, and that would give them a really awesome starting lineup. But I also uh, moved the 2027 round one pick that the wizards were getting to the Sixers because I think that the Sixers are probably going to need some type of compensation for taking on Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I think so too. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think your point about Thomas Bryant, like, He's a he's a interesting fit with Ben Simmons. So like because uh, kind of the shooting center next to like w- playing on at the same time as Ben Simmons. Maybe when you're staggering Towns and Simmons, you've got you've got Thomas Bryant out there, and, and he's a shooting center that can kind of provide that. So I like that one a little bit more than the Robin Lopez version, but still the same kind of idea. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, I, I guess you know one of the topics that we've we've been sort of circling around is is this Carl Anthony Towns and and D'Lo pairing, and the Wolves won last night, Saturday night against the Pelicans without either Carl Anthony Towns or D'Lo. So I, I guess uh, Dan, I'm I'm interested to hear your take on on the difference that the, t- uh, the uh, of this team playing without our two stars. Um, and your feeling about the pairing of Carl Anthony Towns and D'Lo as like a basketball pairing. So I don't think that like you can say that because they won last night versus the Pelicans who are like one in eight in their last nine games. And, and it doesn't look very pretty when they've been playing. Like I saw some talk that they were that they played better without their two best players and stuff like that. It's just I don't I don't feel that way. I think that there was it was different. It was more prescribed there was definitely more like you, you heard people talking they were at the game about how ryan saunders was calling out all this stuff for ricky rubio and how it was more it was less free-flowing which i think is something that we might see with the stars more and more i still am, am a believer that with d'angelo russell and carl anthony towns on the floor you can have lead offense and eventually like whether that that like what what i don't know what needs to happen for that to to become a reality because it's not not become a reality so far but i do think that there is the foundation there still i do believe that that those guys can be the, the the foundation of a really really good offensive team. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you there. I will say I am uh, I, I consider myself a D'Lo truther in so far that I I don't think that D'Angelo Russell as like the guy or even the second guy is really that good. And I I think that his his All Star appearance is misleading. And he had like a really freakish career year from the mid range that year, and uh, that I just like don't feel is is repeatable. Um, what are, what are your thoughts uh, uh, as far as like the ceiling of this team with D'Lo as the second best guy? So I think that the version of this team that we've seen a lot of is D'Angelo Russell as the second best best guy. Like he's always got the ball in his hands. He's like he's going to be the best guy, and then, and then Carl Anthony Towns becomes the second best guy. So they kind of flip. I think there's a version of this team where Carl Anthony Towns has the ball even more. And and, and D'Angelo Russell is is kind of taking more of a back seat with the ball in his hands. I don't know that that he's got the mindset to be able to do that, but I think that's the version of this team that's the best is Carl Anthony Towns looking more like Jokic with the ball in his hands just like most of the time rather than it being a lot of Dick and, or, uh, uh, D'Lo pick and roll. I like uh, Dick Towns. and roll too. Exactly. <laughs> and roll. That too. I mean, fine. Yeah. D'Lo pick and roll. 
Um, <laughs> and, and then you, it, it, I mean that he's been good as a pull-up shooter this year, but still there's a, there's a cap on, on how good that team's going to be. And I think there's a, a version of this team where Towns has the ball more, where he's really like a, a, one, of, one of the top five offensive players. And then Delo's playing more of like a secondary role. I think that's the version that of this team that like, I'm really intrigued by unfortunately we haven't been able to see that so far yeah Delo doesn't get offenses going and as much as we want to key in on ryan saunders being the problem for not having enough offensive sets d'angelo russell doesn't start offensive sets like you saw when ricky rubia was playing the offense was actually moving around and players were not worried about getting their shot up chilink and i were discussing this after the game last night like there is that worry that players have when they're playing with D'Angelo Russell. Like if he's giving me the ball, my job is to shoot it now because uh, he's exhausted all of his options. And now I'm just a spot up shooter. So it's literally for them. It's just make or miss. There is no other offense in their game and it makes players get cold from the field. It, It kind of just messes with the entire flow of the game. And so like, while I agree that, D'Angelo Russell is it's great if he's making 45% of his pull-ups like that's good for the team is it necessarily the best thing for the team when those are not going down because the way that D'Angelo Russell plays isn't like he makes 45% of those threes consistently it's he's making either one of eight or five of eight and there's no in between it makes for a lot of bad losses I think that's a good point I think your point about pace too like the fact that he he is it's just very slow with the ball and he's very methodical about like, I'm going to take up the court and we're going to get into our offense with like, you know, 16 seconds left on the shot clock. And then we're going to, it's just very, there's, there's a lot of grenades shot up. It seems like where, where he's, he's, when you say exhausted all his possibilities and then there's five seconds on the shot clock and someone's got to do something really, really fast. And you see, you know, Anthony Edwards or, or Ricky Rubio or Malik Beasley or whoever is overexposed. And it's, it's, it's because the you're most likely to have a good shot in the first, you know, the, the closer you are to 24 seconds left on the shot clock. And it goes down from there. And I just feel like that's the thing that like when he's playing aggressively, when he's going to the basket, when he's playing with pace, I think there's a version of D'Angelo Russell who like even when he's got the ball in his hands, a good amount can still be a, a dynamic offensive player. But when he's, you know, being very methodical with it and it, and it, he's not hitting his shots, like you said, when it is one of those one of eight games, then it just, he just kills the offense because there's just he's not only is he inefficient, but he makes everyone else around him inefficient when he doesn't have it going. So I feel like that's it's a coaching thing and it's a player buy in thing and it's a infrastructure around the player, like different like the, 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 the surrounding pieces. I think they're all kind of warped right now. And that so that's kind of the issue is it's hard to parse which is really the, the, the one to blame when I think there's problems with all of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think it, I think it was really interesting. I I think Jim Pete uh, last night said D'Lo dribbles the air out of the ball and (laughs) it makes it hard for the offense to get going. And so I I think we're, we're all aware of of the issues with D'Lo it's, uh, but if things go right, feeling is high. And I think it's Dan, what you said about Carl Anthony Towns being more of a Jokic type, it's kind of undervalued in the first two games of the season, he was really showing out with his passing and his ability to play make. So when, when he's back and, and if he's playing like he did in those first two games, I, I like, I, I, I see it. I see the vision for this team. Uh, I just hope that it gets there. Moving on to some of the other players on this team. I think Dylan and I were both not really sold on Jared Vanderbilt to start the season. We were, I'm still not totally sold, but <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, but he's been playing well. He's been balling out. I mean, he, I think last night he had 
like 10 and 11 or something like that. Eight uh, for 13 from the field. A couple blocks. He had 14 um, and 11. I think it was 16. Yeah. 16? Yeah. 16 uh, points. 16. 13 from the field. Wild. So he's been, he's been balling out. What are your thoughts on Jared Vanderbilt in, in his minutes? Well, I think he's so fun to watch to, for, just for me personally. Like I enjoyed the like kind of craziness of it. Like the I, rookie year, Josh Akogi was so fun to me. Like, just like, I, even if it's not that effective, it's just fun. And so I, that, I love that aspect of it. I think that what I keep coming back to is just like, it seems like all of his weaknesses and all of Nas Reed's weaknesses kind of match up in such a way that, that I kind of mm-hmm. like those two together. Uh, I think Nas Reed is just really a terrible rebounder for a center and everything else in his game, I love it. And so it's just like you, you have to build the, the rest of the team kind of around that a little bit, at least in the bench there. And I think Jared Vanderbilt's kind of the perfect guy to, to be that complimentary piece next to Nas. So I, I like kind of those two as kind of a bench four or five. I think that Vanderbilt's been starting and he's a little, you know, that, 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 that pairing's a little overextended in that starting lineup. But as a bench lineup, I think that, that those two as a front court, I'm excited about that. So that's what I'm kind of looking forward to with Vanderbilt for the rest of the year. I agree. I think people are trying to say that Jared Vanderbilt, there are a lot of fans at least that are trying to say that Jared Vanderbilt matches really well with Towns' abilities, but I think he matches a lot better even with Nas's because Nas just gets caught standing straight up way too often whether it's getting beat off the dribble or whether it's not boxing out on a rebound and the nice thing about jared vanderbilt is he provides a lot of that frenetic energy where he has a lot of agility to be able to help on defense but at the same time get around guys and and have like get some funky rebounds kind of like dennis rodden remember that um i think i think there's there is something to be said about the the Okogi Beasley and and JV starting lineup. Just the chaos factor that those three players bring because uh, mm-hmm. they're just running all over the court all the time. So so there is there is something there. But I do think the Wolves are uh, like they they have so many players who are good, like are are really good at a lot of areas of of basketball, but have one or two just like glaring weaknesses that that make them incredibly limited. Josh Okogi, it's scoring the ball and dribbling. You know, Nas Reed, it's rebounding and and moving his feet. Jared Vanderbilt is anything outside of the paint. You know what I mean? Like, and so there's all this goodness, but there there's all these glaring weaknesses that just like limit them. And so it's all about pairing them together to 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 make sure that you know exposure. Go ahead, Dan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that it's all like, and the the pairings to it. That's I've been, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Just like how important it is that like I, I, I kind of you think about the team as there's five starters and five bench guys. And like it's more it's more about the, the two man guys that you want to keep on the on the floor together and the, you know, the pairings that work well together. I, I like the Rubio Beasley pairing is one I like. And, and like I said, the Vanderbilt Nas Reed, one. it's just kind of like those those two man lineups that you want to see together for for, for to, to kind of optimize each other. That's something that I've been kind of encouraged by and i'm excited to see more of some of the, these pairings that i that i think look better than the whole does to all together I, I i just dan i want your opinion outside of towns who do you feel is the best pairing with d'angelo russell because that's something that I, i've like really struggled to figure out like who does he play well with on this team i mean i i think in theory it's the Nas and jared vanderbilt and that front court where Nas is, is spacing and jared vanderbilt is is you know rim running and you've kind of got both elements there 
And maybe when Towns is off the bench, you're giving D'Lo more leeway to, to be, you know, Brooklyn Nets D'Lo, where you're, you're not expecting him to carry you to a, an elite offense there. You're expecting him to carry you to a pretty good offense there because Towns is not on the floor. I think that that's a, a, a kind of a, a, a threesome that I'm, you know, excited about. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I, I think that th- those kind of guys who put pressure on the rim, like Vanderbilt are always the ones that are the obvious kind of pairing for D'Angelo Russell. And then also, I think that, Nas, if you can get like him, if you get him open shots, or if you get him open and then guys closing out, he's. I mean, we've seen him just murdering these closeouts over the last few games. Just like it's like three a game now. He's been getting these drives and layups where it's like, okay, Nas Reed, like all right, like that. So I think that I've been been encouraged by that aspect of 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 those two together, and I think that D'Lo plus those that that kind of unit um at towards the end of the first quarter and the third quarter is one that I'm excited to see when everyone's back. Yeah, easy to uh, get uh, to expose those uh, closeouts when you're shooting 41% from the field, and mm-hmm. uh, you know people are, are from the three, excuse me, and and defenders are scared of that. I want to talk about Jaden McDaniel's because he has shown up in a big way over the past couple games. I was really high on Jaden McDaniel's before this season started. I wrote a piece uh, saying that the Wolves should draft him with the 17th overall pick. They ended up with Jaden McDaniel's anyway, which I, I'm really happy about. What have you uh, thought about Jaden over the last couple games? So he came in with like this kind of ambiguous scouting report. I, I had seen a little bit, but not enough of, of him just because I wasn't, you know, it was hard to pick the guys to watch at 17. So I had seen, you know, a couple of games. And so what, what I've been blown away by is, the handle and the passing and the shooting all combined together. Like I most got I, I had seen some like Robert Covington or Jonathan Isaac. Like I think he's better with the ball in his hands than those guys are now, like already. So I, I, I think that there's more upside there. I don't know that he's got, I mean, he's got good defensive instincts. I don't know. If he's got Isaac or Covington level defense. Like that, that's kind of out, outlier stuff. I think he's going to be a really good defensive player. And I think he's got the opportunity to, and, and the, the ability to, dribble pass and shoot in a way that outside of towns like, like there are not very many guys on the roster who can do all the stuff that he can do on the offensive end so i i'm a little maybe a little bit too optimistic i'm like really drinking the kool-aid on mcdaniels but i really like like I, he's a, a, a guy that i would pencil in as like a, a, a the closest thing they have to a starting four on this roster at some point in his career yeah i think maybe we're now. all drinking the kool-aid like i think that that is the that is the typical wolves fan thing to do right when when anyone shows any promise of being really good we gotta like ah, dive right in but i mean the dude was a was a five-star recruit coming out of high school and Number he went seven to, in his draft class. Yeah. And he went to Washington and that team sucked. And like he, w- he was doing a lot. And I mean, he shot 33% from three last year, taking a lot of hard shots. And so and his shot is real. percent from two. <laughs> his shot is real. His handle is real. His feel for the game seems to be real. Dylan mentioned the other day he hasn't seen him make like a lot of mistakes, which is really good mm-hmm. uh, at least defensively I, offensively i've seen s- some mistakes but defensively you know he he's been really solid so i'm i'm really high on him dylan go ahead yeah there was maybe one goaltend on defense that i saw yesterday that i was like eh, maybe you shouldn't have gone for it but it was like it was a 50 50 ball i i think Jaden mcdaniels in my opinion is such a much better fit next to carl anthony towns if you want to build this elite offense you're not going to get it done with jared vanderbilt and carl anthony towns and that the only way that you're going to win is just by running up the score you got to have the best spot up shooter on the team next to towns and right now that's Jaden mcdaniels it's not juancho hernan gomez and who cares they both can't finish at the rim so just let's 
Try Jaden McDaniels in town. <laughs> yeah, they both can't finish at the rim at all. I guess this. let's move into the conversation of Dan. Who do you think moving forward when Towns is healthy, so like in a healthy Timberwolves team, who is the uh, the the four you want to pair with Towns most often um, and both now, so this season and in the future? I still love Jake Lehman, so part of me wants to say him, but I think <laughs> yes. there is like a logical argument that like, Jaden McDaniels has shown enough at this point. And if you want to keep Nas Reed and Jared Vanderbilt together, which I do off the bench, I think that maybe it's not 28 minutes a game. Maybe it's more the you're, you're the Travion Graham role from last year where you're just playing the first like eight, eight to, to, to you know nine minutes of each of each half. And then he gets some time where he's playing with guys who are going to make him better rather than him having to play with, you know, a lot of more 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 creation where he's having to do it more himself i think that that him playing alongside those other kind of focal points will make him more more dynamic and i think that the rim protection that we've seen the 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 coming out oh of nowhere God. and just like he had the the block three point attempt on JJ Reddick yesterday, which oh is like God. what? Like five feet away. Oh my that's God! That's what I'm saying. His arms are like going out like uh go do a go go gadget. Like it's it's just incredible. <laughs> like I I was I was really um, impressed. I've been really impressed with his defense. Um, and so I like it's kind of like they're not gonna. I mean, it, they're really bad right now. So like, what is the downside? Like you said, like what what is gonna go wrong? Like it's not gonna be worse than it is now. Like you might as well give him a go and see whether he. I mean, maybe he makes some drastic improvement and you see a lot of growth. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out is that Jaden McDaniel's wingspan is only listed at six eleven. I don't believe that for a second Mm-mm. because he was so far. He was like at the free throw line when he blocked JJ Redick at the three point line. It was amazing the way that he was able, and maybe he just has those hops, but he looks like he's got a bigger wingspan than it's listed, at least. Agreed. Um, So you didn't even say Wancho's name once in that whole time. So are you completely out on Wancho Hernan Gomez? (laughs) I mean, it's even his name anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I I get that Gerson Rosas is in a weird spot there because he probably wishes he didn't give him $7 million this year and next year to make this, like, like, he's kind of committed there. And he, if he wants out, he probably can't just bench him and not play him at all. He probably can't just fall out of the rotation. Otherwise, that's going to be viewed as as even more negative salary than it is right now. So right. And, probably... and that's not how you get rid of a con. That's not how you buy low and sell high in a contract exactly. anyway. Yeah. So it's a weird spot for him to to kind of juggle what's best for the team right now and what's best for the development of the guys versus what's going to keep the players that he has on the roster able to be traded. So I personally would just give up on that, I think. But that's easier for me to say because I'm not Gerson Rosas, who's staked a little bit of his you know, job security on the Juancho Hernan Gomez deal. Like, it's not a lot, but it's a little bit of his credibility on that deal, and it's not looking good. So yeah. so I get why they're in a, in a kind of a, a pickle there. So I would... I would go Jaden McDaniels. I would not consider Wancho just because I don't I don't know what he's provided that the other guys aren't. But at the same point, I, I get that there's politics involved there. I will Love say, it. you know, Wancho did, did was filming that movie and so didn't really get uh, time in, in camp. Like mm-hmm. he came pretty late. Thank and Sandler. so. I, yeah, he, he was he was hanging with the Sandman, uh, but I so I do want to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt and some time because like in theory, I mean the dude we we saw last year him launch some really deep threes and so like the theory of it I I, I like he was uh, good but, yeah yeah so far it's been really like uh, really atrocious <laughs> so mm. I feel you there uh, are the last like 
real Timberwolves talk, I, I think that we need to do is about with Ryan Saunders. Talk. With Timberwolves talk is about Ryan Saunders because that's like that's what everyone is. That's that's the whole narrative right now is can Saunders or don't can Saunders. Where do you stand on Ryan Saunders as the head coach of this team? Yeah, that one's tricky too. I think he's probably the worst or maybe the second worst coach in the league behind Luke Walton. I think that those two are the ones that I've seen that are just like, Ugh, I don't know <laughs> yes. about this. But I love same, that. At the same point, Towns and D'Lo have both vouched for him in such a way that, like, if you fire Ryan Saunders, that's probably it. Like, Towns is probably not like, all right, I'm going to stick around for another coach. I'm going to buy in and see what happens. Like, I just don't know that he's got another one of those in him. I think that if you fire Ryan Saunders, it's probably, like we talked about earlier, it's probably time to just reset and 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 maybe find different star players to try to build this around because there's just too much baggage with Towns in Minnesota. So I think that there, there's an argument for just resetting and, and, and getting, you know, wiping the slate clean based on this really depressing season that we've had so far. But at the same point, I understand that, that Rosas has to decide whether he's going to give up, you know, all of that, that kind of the, the, the infrastructure he's built and really reset because as you do that one more time, you probably don't have another one in you before your, your job is the one that's coming next. So I get if he wants to wait another year and try to, 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 to buy a little bit more time um, or if he wants to see if he can convince Towns to buy in one last time. But I just think that's a hard sell at this point, given everything that's happened over the last you know two years with the, with the Timberwolves. Here's my thought on Ryan Saunders. Can him. Can, 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 can. No, but wait. Wait until the end. You got to wait until the end of the season because there's no way right now, like, if you get rid of Ryan Saunders, what are what is your goal? You think that this team is a playoff team if you get rid of Ryan Saunders and then just put in Kevin Burleson or something? Like it's not. It's not either. Like there's no way that they're that the coach would be that much better that they would put the team in a different position. I am still of the opinion that we could make the playing game. Like let's not forget we're only like three and a half games out of the ten seed right now, and Carl Anthony Towns hasn't played hardly any games. So like. Maybe Carl can just lead us into that 10 seed, although that is dangerous because if he, if we do end up getting up to there, then we will probably have to deal with Ryan Saunders for another season. But I do not think that Ryan Saunders ultimately is the coach for the job. I think Dave Yeager is. And, well, and that's the thing. Anyone who you would get at the end of the season versus now, I mean, it's like they're going to be available, whether it's Yeager yeah. or Atkinson or Chris Finch or whoever, you know, whoever it is, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to be there at the end of the season. Go ahead, Dan. I think that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. That that there isn't really an alternative. Like, you're going to put term coach in, and it's probably going to go about the same. It's kind of like the Tibbs year. Like, it was, I don't really understand the point of firing a coach in the middle of the season because, it, like Dylan just said, it's not going to get any better. Like, it's probably going to be about the same outcome. Maybe there's a win here or there that, like, the right speech was given or whatever, the right adjustment was made. Like, whatever you know, whatever thing happens, but. I don't think it's so consequential in the middle of the season because it's not like they're going to overhaul the system and reset things and really make it changes. So it's not like we have Nate McMillan on the bench or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes, we have, you know, Vanterpool who's made things. It's tough to look at him any better than Ryan Saunders at this right. point, you know, like it, yeah. there's not any there's not really a shiny toy to, to put in there. It's, it's kind of just, you know, more muck. I get the need to reset, but right now it's just the, like, I don't see the benefit. I think it's, I'd be a little bit reactionary and kind of more like, all right, let's just pretend that that's going to solve the problem and more, more affect the PR than actually the encore performance. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, at least Ryan makes the guys happy. And in, in a losing season, 
that is like pretty important. So just just we'll we'll hang on. We'll see what happens. Maybe things will turn around. They probably won't, but we can make that decision in the off season. Well, then it's time for our game. We like to play a game at the end of every podcast, and today we are playing. Lindsey Whalen, would you rather? It's our homage to the greatest Minnesota basketball player of all time, Lindsey Whalen. Mm-hmm. And today's question is about our man, Anthony Edwards, A1 since day one. Right now, looking at how the season has gone so far, would you rather have Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball on this Timberwolves roster? I still feel pretty close about this. I, I was always a like 99% LaMelo, like, like a very, a very tiny percentage higher LaMelo than, than Anthony Edwards. Like I, I very similar grades I would have on both of them. And I don't think that I've had, I've seen a ton to dissuade me either way. I think that they've both kind of shown out in ways that I didn't entirely expect them to, and both kind of struggled in ways that I didn't entirely expect them to. So I, I still feel like I would say LaMelo by a tiny little hair, but I understand that for the Timberwolves specifically why Anthony Edwards is the, is the guy that fits better and why I, uh, he is the one that, that, that they decided to bet on. I still feel that the kind of very similar to how I felt on, on draft night um, about those two, even though, you know, LaMelo's had a little bit more success recently. Chalanga, I have to say, I would rather have LaMelo Ball and Andrew Wiggins <laughs> yeah, Dylan and I were were dreaming up the scenario where the D'Lo trade didn't happen and the Wolves drafted Lamelo Ball and mm-hmm. where they would be right now. It's kind of it's kind of a dream, you know, to yeah. be bad and like have a chance at Cade Cunningham next year. Like, imagine Cade Lamelo and Carl Anthony Towns. Like, Ooh. oh, that gets me all worked up, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I, I think there's a scenario where where they get, instead of trying to 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 be better, they they just rebuild like a year ago and, and, and pounds is gone and they've, they've they've really, you know, have all these picks and, and, and the big mega offer that, that could have come then now at this point, when, when you get closer to a trade demand, then you get kind of less appetizing package. But, but I think that there's an alternative timeline that is really, really depressing to think about because there, there's a version of this where things look a lot rosier going forward than, than they do right today as we speak. Yeah, you know, I think, I think it's, it's a dangerous game as a Timberwolves fan when you start thinking about alternative timelines. <laughs> because mm-hmm. there, are, there are a lot. There are a whole lot. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Do you want to plug yourself where, the, where people can find you and whatnot? Yeah, at Freezely on Twitter, just the, the Malik Beasley nickname. I, that's the one I picked. So I, I, you can just follow me on there. I do a lot of film stuff and then um, just little breakdowns and stuff like that of the, the guys that I am most intrigued by and the, the skills that I see on them that I'm most intrigued by. So check it out if you're interested. Lots oh, of good films. Yeah, lots of great films. Do you do any writing at all? Not really. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll do a little thread on Twitter or something like that, but not anything uh-huh. on, on any uh, sites or anything like that. Just kind of getting into it right now. All right. Well, welcome to the uh, Timberwolves community. We are uh, big believers in the DIY basketball content folks. Mm-hmm. So we are happy to have you, Dan. Thanks so much. I appreciate much, you guys. Thank you, Dan. Oh, gosh. Dan was so much fun, wasn't he, Dylan? So much fun. Just so everyone knows, we've got some exciting news. So, you know, Dylan and I have been uh, writing for zone coverage. Um, Rioting. Rioting for zone coverage. We've been we rioting for zonecoverage.com. Um, just so um, you know, we have been out in the streets starting riots. I just start fires across the street from me sometimes if I want to, just for zone coverage. Thanks, Tom. This is for you. And uh, so 
we this podcast is going to be moving to their uh, network, their podcast network. And so the only thing that's going to change really is we're going to be talking about zone coverage articles and and writings and 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 writers more regularly. So we'll take some breaks to just talk about that shit. Other than that, we still don't have any um, uh, sponsors. We don't have any ads. Um, so you know, we still are. Prepare for diluted content. We're not going to be able to say anything anymore. Yeah, we're going full MSM. We're going to have to be PC in this PC snowflake world. And uh, so get ready for some worse content. Just kidding. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really good for us. Keep on not listening. for them. <laughs> Keep on listening. You can follow us at CND Pod uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Send us an email at cndnba at gmail.com. Finally got the email right. Don't forget to download, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, tell your friends, all that shit. And if you run a business, no matter how big, how small, and you want us to advertise your business on the pod, let us know. We are flexible. We can start. It, it can be free ad space to start, and we can negotiate. You know, working up to to a a financial agreement. You know what I'm sex saying? Sex work is work. If you are a sex worker and would like to advertise your services on this pod, please let us know. We would love to have you uh, as a sponsor. If um, you would like to get an ad onto our podcast in exchange for sex work, also on the table. Uh, we are desperate. For sponsors and for Punani. Have a great day.